I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, May 16, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY, or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And the market had a pretty good healthy update today. It did some of what we discussed in the previous videos. What we discussed is the fact that if the market found a bottom in the 282.50 to 280.71 area, which it did a little bit lower, it could be good for a rally for a few days. Now, we never know exactly how high the market can get to. I identified 286.50 as what I thought would be relatively close to the top end. However, that was wrong and the market continued higher. Remember, we talked about the 50 period moving average. And by the way, when I say I was wrong, let's note something. Let me go down to a 10 minute chart for a second. Here's what we want to take note of because this is a good learning opportunity. Look what we have here. We have a market that ran up and consolidated for a little while. That's really considered a failure. So it comes back down. Now it tries it again and it consolidated again. Now remember the number that we were looking at. That number was from a different reason. It was slightly lower than 286.50. I've taken it off the chart. It was 285.37, I believe, or something in that neighborhood. Anyway, the point is that was a number that the market found resistance at yesterday, but wasn't rejected from yesterday. So therefore, we're not necessarily surprised to see higher prices. I'm not even surprised to see higher than 286.50 based on the fact that we spent all day yesterday really consolidating, or as I like to say, bantering back and forth underneath that price level it wasn't really just underneath 2650 but it was around the price area that was also noted as a potential resistance point which was that garden variety retracement level that was something that's right out of the course at lazy e-mini trader Let's get back in our lane and focus back on the daily chart for a second because I think we have some important things going on. And also, there are some important lessons when we look at some other charts, which we'll do in a moment. First, let me pause and thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know how I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy, but only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video, and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. Back to business. All right. So we're on the daily chart. So the fact that we were above what I thought would be a relatively good area of overhead resistance, 286.50, now that we're above that, what's the next price level that we begin eyeballing from a resistance perspective? And it's pretty simple. On the daily chart, we just go right to the high of this day right here, which is the 10th of May, 288.94 and you can see today's high was 289.21 so there's a big fat round number of 289 up there it's not so fat but it's a round number so they spike through it by a little bit and then they end up closing below the high of the day from the 10th why generally speaking because 
That's just a garden variety resistance point. That's not something I invented. That's not something I have a patent on. That's just out of technical analysis 101. What if we weren't looking at a daily chart? Where else we would find the same area? What other charts can we look at where something would actually jump out at us and say, oh yeah, that should obviously be resistant to the market. When we look at an hourly chart, we see something very familiar. This is the same high from the 10th, so it stands out on the hourly chart. So even if we're not looking at a daily chart, we should be able to see this. And you can also see that the market was rejected here. This was a breakdown area. It came back to test the former breakdown area, right? The market broke down. We went all the way down here, came back to test the former breakdown area. This is just on the hourly chart, right? Rejected again, okay? And here we come again. We don't know necessarily that the market will or will not be rejected there, but at least from an intraday perspective, we should find overhead resistance. How much we might be rejected from this area, that'll be determined in the coming session or so. That's just the way I view the charts. Again, you're inside my head, so it's kind of enter at your own risk. What if we just look from a different viewpoint, looking at a 120-minute chart? Same thing. You see the same numbers. It just looks slightly different. You see where this should be. Overhead resistance in the market, garden variety, the majority of the time. How many times from down here is the market going to run up to these tops in here and just waltz right through like it's not even there? And the answer is... Very, very few. Of course it could happen, but out of a 100 times, how many is it really going to happen? 10 or 15? It's not going to happen often from way down here where we were just yesterday. If we were a hop, skip, and a jump on close yesterday, that's a different story altogether. But coming from afar, under normal garden variety market conditions, it will be overhead resistance. Back to the daily chart for a moment. Let's discuss a couple of other things. Let's discuss the volume. It was average volume. So we can't really read into that one way or the other. Certainly not tremendous volume. So we know there was not widespread institutional participation. We did not have a bunch of mutual funds and hedge funds and pension funds running to buy the market today. That's not what was going on. So therefore, we know that it's not necessarily indicative of a breakout all of a sudden. That brings me to a secondary point. I mentioned this last night. I'll mention it again. I'm getting another short stack of emails flooding in about, is this the move to new highs? That's fine. Maybe it is the move to new highs. I'm not in that camp. That's not what my analysis tells me. My analysis tells me something else. However, the fact that the emails are coming in asking me if I think we're going to new highs just after I said we weren't last night, that tells me that the market's doing its job. And if it's doing its job, it's trying as hard as it can to trick, trap, fool, and frustrate as many traders and investors as possible. And by the way, when I mention that, I'm not just talking about you and me. I'm talking about everybody, or at least the lion's share of everybody. So if that's the case, 
And my belief is that we're not going to new highs right now. If I believe that this is a top, then I either believe one of two things. We're going to banter back and forth here for a while, and then we'll have another story to tell, right? If this happened for several weeks, I would say something else. I would say the market is essentially bantering back and forth, building energy to move higher. So if we do that for a few weeks, we'll have a different discussion. So barring just going sideways for a few weeks, there's two other options. We make new highs or we go lower. So I'm in the camp that we're going to make a secondary top. Now, was today the secondary top? It might be. Could the secondary top be higher? It could be. It doesn't matter where the secondary top is. The fact is, I believe we're going to have a secondary top and go lower. It's not going to all happen in one bite. They're going to find support at double bottom. They're going to banter back and forth. They're going to make it look like they're going to rally to new highs. They're going to do all that stuff. But until and unless we do make new highs, my belief is that we're going to take out the low here from the 13th of May and go lower. We'll talk about lower numbers when and if that does happen. But that's the camp that I sit in right now. By the way, we're back on a 10-minute chart of the SPY because I want to mention something that we've been talking about. And specifically, of late, I've used the term rip-your-face-off rally. I've used it for Inside the Numbers members early in the morning. Beware of the rip-your-face-off rally. And even this morning, I used the term don't play with fire. And that was in reference to trying to short the market that's in the midst of a rip-your-face-off rally. This is a rip-your-face-off rally. So if you think about it, so each of these is a 10-minute candle. So in the first 30 minutes of the trading day, we were already up here from a close down here yesterday. That's a rip-your-face-off rally, at least from an intraday charting perspective. Why does that happen has countless reasons attached to it. We could go on and on listing the probable or possible reasons all these things occur. However, think about it like this. The option business is a rather large business for the brokerage firms. It's a rather large business for the investment banks. I really don't know how large, but nevertheless, the weekly options, I think, causes excess volatility in the market. So that being said, I know for a fact that the majority of the weekly option players lose money. So that being the case, we know that there were a lot of puts bought yesterday. We know that in order for the option players, meaning the other side of the trade, there's always another side of the trade. If I'm buying a put, there's somebody else that's selling a put, which is making the bet in the other direction. Now, I've gone over this many, many times before, and I think it's worth a minute or two. If the big institutions are the so-called smart money, and let's just say for the argument, they're the smart money, isn't the objective to follow the smart money? And if that's the case, and we're actually on the other side of a transaction from the smart money, not all the time, Obviously, there's buyers and sellers all over the place, and for every individual retail trader that holds a call, there's somebody that holds the same put. I get all that, but in order to create the market and create and maintain the liquidity that exists in that market, 
The institutions have to be the market maker. They make the market. So therefore, if there is nobody sitting on the other side, they have to be the market on the other side. So therefore, if the smart money is on the other side of the trade, willing to scoop up all those puts that were bought yesterday, thinking the market was going to unravel. And by the way, I'm just using yesterday as an example. Yesterday, the day before, whenever they were bought, there were puts bought in the market, Retail traders, the average person like you and me at home, a lot of people were buying puts. And guess what? They didn't get paid. It happens all the time. That weekly option business is a tough, tough business. Most of the time, you have to be right right away or most people get scared out of the trade because the price gets sucked down in those so fast. The premium gets sucked out of those so fast. Time is not on your side in those weekly options. We all know that. The other side of that is when we're right, when you're right or anybody's right in the weekly options, you get paid, you get paid quickly and you get paid handsomely. The question we have to ask ourselves if we're playing in those weekly option games, and I know that a lot of you out there are, that's why I'm discussing this, I get the emails, you have to ask yourself, am I really making any money or do I need to make a change? That's just my two cents. I'm off the soapbox. We're back in the lane. What's doing over in Camp IWM? Well, there's nothing really new. It's the same thing we've been discussing. And it's really going to be under the same foundation of my thinking. The IWM, to me, is not showing strength until and unless we can get above and close above, even the 20-period moving average in this case would do it, then there's really nothing doing for me. I don't want to see it sandwiched in between the 50 and the 20 in this case. I want to see it get above the 20-period moving average in order for it to be bullish in my mind. How about the VIX? The market was up today. We had a collapse in volatility. Pretty good move down in the VIX. There's a gap. We came to the gap today. Happened to coincide with the 20-period moving average. Funny how that works. No accidents. No coincidences. It just is what it is. If we get another up day in the stock market and another down day in the VIX, which is entirely possible, I think the VIX becomes a buying opportunity in the low 14 neighborhood. Let's just call it 1450, 14 and a quarter. 14 is even better, obviously. But if it starts to come into the 50-period moving average, I'm going to begin showing interest in the VIX. What's doing down at the transportation department? Same routine, under the same foundation of what my belief is for the overall market. And as far as I'm concerned, the transports have been a wonderful canary in the coal mine, topping out long before the S&P, and you can see here that it had a much bigger sell-off. And now it's working its way back up to the 20-period moving average. Can it get there? We'll see another big update in the market. And maybe it can. Another big update in the market. And you'll get a lot more traders, a lot more individual investors, a lot more pundits on television, a lot more mutual fund managers and everybody else simply believing we're just going to go to new highs. And they may make it a self-fulfilling prophecy and get it up in that neighborhood. I'm still not going to change my tune until we begin closing above the high. What's doing out in Silicon Valley with the Qs? Same story, different symbol. But this brings me to something else that I want to discuss. 
I talk about it often, and I talk about the weighting between the Qs and other indices that have a more equal or distributed weighting, somewhat of a smoothed-out weighting system. But we work with what we have, and we look at other things to give us the clues we need. We look at other things to give us the puzzle pieces that help assemble the picture that we need to see of what the big picture is telling us. So therefore, we move on. Let's look at the XLF. Pretty much paced the market today. It's going to fall under the same category as everything else. And specifically on the XLF, if in fact the XLF is not rallying, if the XLF does not get Back above this 20-period moving average on the daily chart, then you're going to run into the same thing, and there's no way that the rest of the market can rally without participation from the XLF. For a day, absolutely. For a few days, yeah, sure. But another leg higher in the market, no chance. How about the SMH? This is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. What's that crazy line running down the chart? Well, we put that line on the chart yesterday in real time. I did it with you. Let's go see what that line is all about. Before we do, we'll talk a little bit about the daily chart. This looks slightly different than the others, right? This does not look like the Qs. Doesn't look like the S&P. So we have to take note of one of the components within the tech sector, which has historically been a pretty good leading indicator of the tech sector, is not leading to the upside, but yet is actually showing relative weakness. So that is certainly a puzzle piece. It's been on the table. It remains on the table. But check this out. Here's that channel we talked about from yesterday's video. And I left it on there having no idea what was going to happen today. But what I find unbelievable, and it's not just this channel. And when I say unbelievable, this is one of the ones where you look around because you think you're on candid camera. Today, the first candle of the day, this is an hourly chart, so the first candle of the day comes down and makes a low of 106.83. The number doesn't really matter. It's the concept of where it made the low, right on top of this trend line that represented the top end of the channel we were discussing just yesterday. But wait, there's more. What's today's closing price? At least on this hourly chart, wait, it gets better is 107.47, one penny below the 107.48 that's been on the chart. And here's where it gets even better. The daily chart close is 107.50. You couldn't make this up with a room full of writers. Let's dig deeper. So let's look at the XLE. We don't look at this all the time. In fact, we don't look at this frequently in these videos. However, I do track the energy sector, so I'm looking at the XLE. And what I see in the XLE is a little bit of a different story than we've seen around the horn in some of the other charts that we've looked at. And what I see in the XLE is I see essentially a bear flag pattern. I can certainly make the case that this is a bear flag pattern. How does that work out? Well, we have a down move here, and then we're essentially trading in a flag formation that will generally result in another move to the downside. Now, why the energy sector versus others? I don't come with the reason, but I can speculate how things go from an economic and fundamental discussion perspective. So here's the way it goes. If, in fact, we enter into a recessionary period or we enter into a period where we think there's a recession coming. Let's just say that's the case. 
what happens is you have a period of what's called contraction. In a period of contraction, businesses use less energy. People use less energy. There's less consumption. Therefore, the companies that represent the XLE or the companies within the XLE end up in less demand. Supply and demand. Less demand, lower prices. That's it. That's the theory behind the discussion that you'll hear in the future if I'm right and the market does turn down, you'll hear that discussion on television if you're watching. How about the XRT? What is the XRT? It is the retail sector, very similar to the energy sector. All of a sudden, it's a bear flag pattern or something that resembles a wedge pattern, something that resembles not good. What is the retail industry or the retail sector dependent on? It's dependent on the consumer. So what's this chart saying? This chart's saying that the consumer isn't spending the type of money that would warrant higher prices of the retailers. Isn't that just common sense? That's what it's telling me. That's what I think about, and that's what I see when I look at that chart. Again, enter in my head at your own risk. At times, you might just be hit with some common sense. How about emerging markets? Kind of looking away from the U.S. What's going on in the emerging markets? Nothing. Again, looks more like the retail chart than anything else. It's not exactly a bastion of bullishness. Here's the monthly chart of emerging markets. Now, you've all seen me do this many, many times before. When we see charts like this, what do we do? We say, well, essentially it's building a bear flag pattern or a bearish wedge pattern, and it's trading in this channel going back and forth. So one of these times it's going to break the channel. It's either going to break it on the upside or the downside. So it's not up now. So it has an opportunity to break it on the downside. We'll see what happens. This is a monthly chart. So just realize that these type of charts take a very, very long time to materialize. Here's the same chart, just zoomed into a weekly basis. Here's the weekly of the XRT, the retail space. So that's interesting. The weekly chart really, really looks like it's having trouble until and unless this weekly chart can get up even to the moving averages, it's in trouble. However, let's look at the other side for a moment. Let's say tomorrow we have a bullish day and everything's up across the board. The retail space is up. What happens if we close above for the week, above 43 and a quarter? That would be interesting. That would be a market that looked like it wanted to fail and didn't fail. That would be bullish. Why do I say that? That's something that's right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. And that's something that everybody should know about. It doesn't just apply to the XRT. It doesn't just apply to the weekly chart. It applies to all charts, stocks, ETFs, the index themselves. It doesn't make any difference. What do I always say? All charts act and react the same way. And tonight, I will leave you with that one. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.
My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.